Hello, and welcome to the Fish Cast. Uh, it's been a few weeks since we last were with you, but I'm still Corey Long. And of course, I'm still joined by Charles Fishbine. How you doing, Fish? Doing well, doing well. Excellent, excellent. Uh, we're now, I mean, we're it's September. We, we're we're uh, recording this on September 6th. So we're now deep in the football season. You've got a couple of weeks of high school in you. Uh, week zero was uh, two weekends ago. Last week was the first full week of college football. A lot of stuff going on. So got a lot to talk about. Um, you know, first things first, we'll start off. Uh, anything that you've seen in high school so far that uh, catches your eye? No, not, I mean, you know, watching Chaminade, uh this may be one of the better offenses I've seen covering high school football for 15 years. Uh, they are just so deep and talented. I, what's crazy is they have the two main receivers, Jeremiah Smith and Josiah. The Joshua, I think they call him Joe Joshua, or it's like Joshua Trader. He has a weird Joesha uh, Trader, Joshua. but he, yeah, he has like a, a, a unique name. But they have those two guys who were five stars, and then all of a sudden. The game I went to, they had a kid named Edwin Joseph, who was a solid three-star prospect coming into this year. Uh, he played incredible in the game I played in, and I he was a name that I put out there to watch. He's the type of kid that University of Pittsburgh signs. And they uh, the kid blew up this week. He got an FSU and Miami offer. To imagine that they have three power five receivers on the same team, you got to go back to the Miami Northwestern team with Teddy Bridgewater. By the way, I met Teddy today at Miami Northwestern. He was there um, just a lot older than the last time I saw him. He doesn't look like the kid in the mural uh, that is behind me. But, um, you know, that team, that Chaminade team is going to score a lot, especially in the playoffs when they drop down a level to win another state championship. Yeah, I think the thing that people don't realize about Chaminade is they pretty much only play the whatever the minimum amount of games they have to play in their classification. Other than that, they're constantly uh I would I would say they're you know they're uh you know they're they're constantly battling outside their weight class, but I think they're actually battling inside their weight class and their uh, classification is is a little too easy for them or has been over the past couple of years now. It's just a a really good team that plays a really challenging schedule that, you know, seem to really uh, embrace kind of playing anybody at any time. No, there's no doubt. I mean, it just, they, I, I said to Damian Jones, the head coach, you know, they play Northwestern this week. I said, what is like university of Miami or Alabama not available. I mean, he just, <laughs> he literally has play anybody anywhere, anytime. Like he has the old Florida state Miami mantra of we'll play anywhere, anytime anybody in the country and it's just crazy they had played uh saint joe saint john's of washington dc a couple weeks ago who was a top rated team and basically blew them out till uh it was 35 7 till they made it a game and like i said this week they got Sham, uh miami northwestern coming in they played dealer last week it's like they're playing a who's who of teams that uh, are top-rated teams that have shots at state championships. So this is going to be a very battle-tested team once the playoffs start in November. Absolutely. Uh, it's going to be a – I mean, that, that's the way they kind of roll, which is why I've always really liked uh, Chaminade is the way they schedule. They, they schedule so aggressively, and they just make sure to take on all the top teams. Um uh, I was uh, I haven't, haven't gone to a high school game yet. I'll probably wait for the temperatures to get cooler uh, before I do that. I'll let you sweat it off for now. But uh, I did uh, I did cover USF uh, playing BYU this past week. Game was scheduled for 4 p.m. Had about a three-hour rain delay. Uh, really, USF they could have had a 12-hour rain delay because when they came out. BYU was ready to play. USF was still on their rain delay because I think BYU scored on like just the simplest running play to first. And then one play, one drive, 75 yard touchdown. And uh, it uh, just got progressively worse from there. And, and it's interesting um, in a situation where you have um, 
you know, a third-year coach just got going into his third year. Like, last year was kind of their year to get beat. You know, they, they lose pretty heavily. They come back and, you know, hey, like, they, you know, they, they, they never gave up. They play with heart. And, you know, that sort of thing. I think you just never give up and you just score some meaningless touchdowns late. Well, okay, they did that again this year. They're now 38 to nothing with like five minutes left in the first half. The final is 50 to 21. Yeah, I mean, they put together some nice things in the second half, but it didn't mean anything. And yeah. go ahead. No, I mean, you know, there's that saying uh, lose big, lose small, win big, small, win big. Uh, they they have forgot that there's <laughs> they got to get to the lose small yet. They're still <laughs> the lose big part. Like they haven't jumped over the lose big hurdle, you know? Like, yeah, there's <laughs> somebody <laughs> forgot that memo on Jeff Scott's forgot, desk. Someone has got to guide the best to lose big part. <laughs> like, like, hey, listen, we, we got to get to halftime. I mean, if they had a running <laughs> clock in college football, USF would basically be like, you know, the team that gets run the clock on you know that i don't want to say anything bad about it yeah that was a running clock game. oh oh man and i don't like, know anybody at lato so i could just say lato and the running clock. Like lato, yeah <laughs> they were, yeah usm looked like lato it was like the lato of college football they were, uh, oh, God, they were so bad and it just i didn't go into jeff scott's um post-game presser because that wasn't really my assignment my son was going to a BYU because they were the team that the Associated Press cared about. So I got to listen to their uh, their presser, and it's just I I heard some things of the USF presser, and it's just I I mean three and nineteen, and uh you know going on your third year now, it just I don't know I don't I don't know they can turn around. Like I, I look at the I look at just the whole situation. I'm like, eh, this just feels like this is just not going to work. You know, yeah. because 22 games in, you're still losing by 30 points. Yeah, you gotta, you've, you gotta turn. There's a corner you gotta turn eventually. I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah you can't keep starting at ground zero. Like, this isn't uh, year zero, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, luckily, I think they got Howard on this week. I mean, like, that is a must win. Like, you can't yeah. go, like, yeah. you can't like, go losing a Howard at home. Yeah, they can't be out there losing a Howard and telling people they're making fraud. Like, this is a school that's trying to get money for an indoor practice facility and experimenting with getting like an on campus type of stadium. It's like, man, you Dude, can't I, be just going out there and getting mollywhopped by every team that you face. It's good. They got Florida in two weeks. I know. They got like, a week ago, you're like, all right, maybe we keep that game close. Now, oh, man. Like, yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, they've, they've got East Carolina, Cincinnati, Tulane, Houston, SMU. Believe me, I know a lot of, you know, living here in St. Petersburg, Florida, I know a lot of USF fans. And they're very they're good people, very optimistic. Most of them are like, you know, well, you know, I, I'll take five wins would be nice. If we get to a bowl, that'd be awesome. After that game, it's like bowl is they're not, the bowl is not even in the question. Like they they could go to any bowl game. Like what, six was their, what, what was their over under total? Their over under total like three and a half, and now yeah. I feel like oh, three and a half might be like literally talking. We're talking and like five sounds about right. After Dude. watching, like you know, one sounds about right. I have a hard time taking them at one and a half. You know, and, uh, like I'm looking for that second victory. Did they, like, did they play Temple? Yeah, they play Temple, <laughs> but that's in yeah. Temple, and it's in, it's going to be cold. And at one and eight, I mean, that thing could get ugly. <laughs> that might be Stan Drake missed out of the victory in Temple. Oh my oh god! Oh my god! Like how Howard may be freaking playing for sod in this game, you know? Like this thing. <laughs> this thing is, Howard walks. Howard walks in with a shot, like. Don't they have like a quarterback that's pretty like? Haven't they had like a couple of players I mean, that are pretty feisty? I mean, they still got Larry Scott, right? Like he wants a piece of South Florida. Like yeah, he wanted that exactly. job. He wanted that job. So like, like this is a he's pinned this thing as like game of the year. To if he pulls this upset, hey, listen, Bryant almost won. So why can't Howard beat USF? Yeah, well, I watched that game. I want. I was. I, you know, I did not want. 
we just had Mike McIntyre on the show. The last thing I wanted to do was lose. Yeah, like take well, Liz Lopener. He'll never call. So, he'll never take us our call again. Yeah, but I saw they scored on the final play. I saw I caught it like the final like three plays of the last drive. I flipped it on the uh, on one of, on one of my TVs on the ESPN app on the app, and um, I saw that, and I saw that they went for two in overtime, like a smart team, and one and got it. Yeah, hey, you know. I don't know if there's going to be that many victories for FIU this year, so get them where you can get them. Yep. And I, I think that was pretty good because, I mean, uh, Rutgers beat Boston College. We had Coach Chiano on. So, and if you look at it, Florida State beat LSU by a point. We had Coach Atkins on. I think we're doing well. Fishcast, I think this time Fishcast came through. Yep. Those who came on here and got that – Got that, got that boost thing in there for the fish cast, all ended up winners. They got so, the fish karma in the right way. Exactly. I'm taking it. I am taking it. Um, what was the best game you saw this week? Oh man, I, I watched so many games. I, you know, I mean, FSU my uh, FSU LSU is probably the best one. Yeah, you know, came down to the wire there at 24 to 23. I mean, you can't get much better than that. You know, that was a good one. I mean, for me, it was, you know, that was a game. Florida-Utah was tremendous. Great game. Florida, Florida game. Uh, the week, the week, the weekend was, was Thursday. Opened up great, man. The backyard brawl was just, you know, what that game, what that game told me was that college football maybe needs to slow down a little. We had to figure out a way that, you know, in, in this rush to expand conferences and to do this that is that maybe these guys need to start thinking, you know, how can we just get everybody on as even a playing field financially as we as we can while not losing, you know, sort of the regional flavor that makes it what it is. Like in the grand scheme of things, I don't know that Pittsburgh versus West Virginia is going to mean a hill of beans, but Tell that to the 70 people, the 70,000 people that showed up on Thursday night. They cared. They cared a lot. Like that meant that game meant a lot to them. And and you don't want to take that away. Like, and it was a tremendous game. It was so much fun. You know, it was just a fun back and forth kind of crazy rivalry game with two teams that were, you know, really passionate about beating each other. And I, I just look at it and I'm like, all right, I get, you know, the SEC's got their umpty million and the Big Ten's going to get a billion. And, uh, you know, the Big 12's going to get for a payday and the ACC and Pac-12 are broke. Like, can we figure out a way to pool this money, maybe get everybody on the same level and, you know, and keep some of this, you know, I mean, it, God, there's a lot of money going around. I think it wouldn't be wrong for everybody to share it and just say, hey, you know, if we're all, you know, if we can all at least be on equal financial footing let the teams with the best who, you know, make the best utilization of those resources, they're still going to win. Like, I mean, if Alabama split, if Alabama made the same amount of money as, I don't know, let's just say Maryland or not Maryland, but Virginia, Alabama's still going to be Alabama. You know, that hasn't changed. Yeah, I listen, I you saw the atmosphere in that stadium. I don't think Pittsburgh's been like that since I've been watching them. I mean, yeah. you, you got I, all the way back to Marino days, and they had great players. That stadium was rocking. The atmosphere was great. You know, you I, I know it's easy to sit there and go, hey, listen, let's just keep pumping up these SEC schools and these Big Ten teams. But there is – like I told Demo that time, there is good football outside of the South and the Midwest. Like there's, that was a great game. And you know, the one thing I want to point out is, and I think Pat Narduzzi, I'd love to get him on the show. I've talked to trying to get him on. I think he's done a phenomenal job and the, I give the administration a lot of credit. He went eight and five, eight and five, then had a five and seven season in 17. They didn't panic. He went seven and seven, and then they were patient. Like it takes time to build that program up. And he had the 11 and three season last year and took them to the ACC. And you, you sit there and you go, all right, a game like last week 
they used to lose that. You know, they come off a big season. They had every reason to lose a game like that, and they found a way to win. And I think that's a, a testament to Narduzzi as a coach that they know that they could play at a higher level now. I think Pitt has moved into the top tier, maybe not the top tier with Clemson, but they're in. They're they're pushing. They're going to push into that group of schools that can compete in that conference year in and year out now because not only do they recruit very well in the Northeast, they come down to South Florida and, and, and Florida in general recruit very well. And they do, they do a very good job. People talk about development. They've done a great job of developing players on both sides of the football. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we both saw, you know, some familiar faces some recruits that we've known that were down there that have been in there for the program for a few years that were just, you know, starting to get, some action, just starting to get some some playing time, and uh, they look very good. They look, you know, they look like a physically strong team, and you know, I think Coach Nardi's done a wonderful job. They have Tennessee this week, and uh, during his press conference on Monday, he uh, he he mentions it. He goes, uh, you know, there's basically two Power Five conferences. He's like the Big Ten and the SEC, and he said we're Pittsburgh. We're out here in the Peewee League. And, you know, obviously he's using it as a little bit of motivation. Pitt is uh, underdogs at home this week against Tennessee. But I, I get his point. It's the same thing. It's just like, you know, they're starting to – it's just starting to be like, you know, if we're not in this conference, we're not even worth being mentioned. And it's not – and that's, that's not the case. I think this week in football, in college football, showed that, you know, the – the, the college football that you know and love is still alive. It's a little different. Kids transfer a lot more. Yes, the Pitt-West Virginia game had two quarterbacks that were both at USC last year, and the Ole Miss quarterback was at USC last year. The USC quarterback was at Oklahoma last year. I get it. I get it. All those things happened. They're a little confusing. Um, but end of the day, like you said, you know, the people there, the people in that game and the, and the passion they showed and the intensity of that game, you know, makes you realize that there's a lot of good football being played, a lot of important football being played. Um, that, you know, that, you know, no one was thinking about a grant of rights or a TV contract. They just, those were two teams that just wanted to beat each other. Um Continuing on with the with the weekend, there were there was, there was a lot of it was a lot of good stuff. Uh, none of it was played in Iowa, though. None of the good footballs out there was played in Iowa. What five Rarely three? What was two, it like? It was a baseball score. I think they won seven three, but needed two safeties in the second half to do it. If that ain't Kurt Ferenc football, I don't know what is. Oh man, they do know like leather helmets and playing modern football is possible, you know. I'm just wondering how many times he checked out of the full how many times how many times that quarterback do that full check out of that game? I think they I think oh I would gain something like like 208 yards. Oh, it just it just here's what I give Big Ten fans credit. Big Ten fans show up for it like if that is your school, that is your school. You you show up, you watch him, but you are you are committed to your big. But I don't know if even the sturdiest midwesterner could watch that and think that was good. Oh my god! What was it like five three at one point, and they got a safety at the end to get it to seven? Or I mean, yeah, they got seven the hard way. <laughs> like the only other way you get seven, <laughs> dude. They had. Their quarterback was 11 of 25 for 109 yards. He had a 1.1 quarterback rating. I didn't even know that's possible. Oh my God. They ran 36 times for 57 yards. Like, <laughs> like you could walk further than they ran for yards. I mean, 57 yards. I mean, they barely got past midfield on 36 carries. BYU had 75 yards of their rushing on their first play of the game. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't even want to tell you what South Dakota did. Their numbers were even more putrid. Oh they oh barely God. broke 100 yards total offense. 
<laughs> they could have played that game. They should have just played that in black and white. Like they should have <laughs> just like they should have had that in black and white that game. Like people turn the game on. They're like, wait a second. You know, some kids like dad, I think this game's from your era. It's like, it's in black and white. How do you watch a game like like at what point does a game get so bad that it almost becomes like intriguing? Like it's like, I want to see if this game can get any worse. Like is this is this as bad as it gets? I mean, that's oh. I mean, like, man, I, Iowa State, like they must be like watching that game film going, oh. Man, we can't lose to these guys this year. All we got to do is throw up an eight spot and we should be yeah, It's the first team to eight, you know? I mean, I mean, Iowa, Iowa State's got a good defense. You got to figure that game's going under. <laughs> There's only two ways to get seven in college football. One is a touchdown and an extra point. The other one is a field goal and two safeties. Like, there's only two ways to get to seven. In that's college just, football, they took the they literally when you could have just walked a straight line, they basically took a took a 90 mile U-turn around and came yeah. back. Yeah, they mathematically took the hardest route to get to seven <laughs> points. It would be like it would be like me in St. Petersburg going to your house in Hollywood, Florida, but going to Nashville first. What did they get two you know? say did they get two safeties and a field goal? Is that what they two did? Safeties and a field goal, yes. Yeah, I think the odds of that, honestly, are like almost impossible. I guarantee you, like if they put odd, if they put that as a proposition bet, like two safeties and a field goal, and that's what they're going to score a touchdown. It's the probability is almost like zero. It's probably less than zero. Uh, all right, let's get that. Look at that. What people want us to talk about uh, first? Miami played with no Cooper. Did you watch any of that? Um, I, no, I can't say I did. <laughs> Me neither. Although I heard Jake Garcia is like one of my friends watches. Like Jake Garcia is really, really good. Like if Tyler Van Dyke has to miss like three games for some odd reason, they can't get the job back. Level good. Now Garcia, listen. I mean, he's the best backup quarterback in college football, outside of maybe like Clemson last night. Yeah, but, maybe outside. Of- Clubnik, yeah. Yeah, Clubnik. But, yeah, they um, Jake's a little better than, you know, someone we know. So, um, yeah, Jake's a good football player. I mean, Miami's in great shape at the quarterback position. Not many teams have a guy that basically if the starter goes down, their season doesn't go down with them. Uh, and I, I really think he's going to get the chance to start next year. I, Van Dyke's going to leave after this year, be a first-round pick, and then – Basically, Garcia is going to have two years of learning that system, and Miami's going to not miss a beat with uh, Garcia taking over as a quarterback. Yeah. I think Miami has Southern Miss next week, uh, AM in two weeks. So we've got time to really talk Miami in the future. Maybe we'll get it on Manny. Maybe we'll get a, our buddy on Manny Navarro in here before AM game and really kind of break that down. Um, Really, you know, when it came down to, you know, within the state that we live in, the big, big games were uh, Florida, Utah was going to be on, you know, was Saturday night and uh, Florida State, LSU and New Orleans on Sunday night. Um, what, you know, let's, we'll go back to Florida because we're going to talk about the poll. So let's go back to Florida. Let's start with the uh, Florida State, LSU. Florida State wins 23-24 and what was just a, I mean, I guess they could have won by 17 or 13 or so and somehow still needed to block an extra point to win. But if you're Mike Norvell, it's as beautiful as any other win. I mean, a win's a win. You needed that. Listen, Corey, I I said before the game, it didn't matter if they won by one or 30. A win's a Nobody's going to care that they blocked an extra point a month from now. It's going to say a W next to their name. These were the games that they had didn't win in the past. Um, you know, they needed a win, you know, and they got it. And I think that's very important for them and their program. And, you know, where they are now, you know, they're finally getting out of that dark tunnel. You know, they're coming out. There's light at the end of the tunnel. And now, you know, you take a deep breath. And, you know, 
we've always said like you you can't just look at a schedule everybody always looks at these schedules and go oh this schedule's hard or that you just don't yeah. know you know before last week we all thought syracuse was the worst team in the acc all right now a week later it looks like louisville's the worst team but you don't know like louisville i watched the game and as bad as they played it it basically came down to malik cunningham had his worst game of his career and they were in that game of 17 to three uh, going in, I think late into the third quarter and they just fell apart. So I don't, I wouldn't, I don't think you could take a whole lot from these week one, week two games. You got to let these teams play a few games out and see where they're at. Um, but going back to the Florida state game, it's a huge win for Norvell and that staff. I we've talked about it. We've always said we feel and I, I can't keep saying this because people, I don't know if they just don't believe it. We've said Norvell's a very good game day coach. Um, I think he's very organized. He prepares his team. Uh, his coaches do a pretty good job. Um, we've just said, listen, they need more talent. And people get offended by you saying that. It's, listen, it's, it, you, in one breath, everybody goes, oh, it's coaching and developing. Well, they've done that. They've coached and developed these guys up. It's not a, we're not trying to be offensive by saying the team's not super talented because I don't believe they are. I think that they're playing above their talent level and they're getting maximum effort out of these guys. Now you utilize that and take it to another level by bringing in that next level talent that gets you from that seven, eight win. And now you can compete for ACC champions and championships. Yeah. I mean, really this game, when I looked at it, you know, I looked at it maybe three times and I was like, if they had better talent at some positions, they probably would have won significantly. Like it really, they really were able to bully them a lot on offense. And it's like if they had backs that were a little faster, a little bit more explosive in the hole, you know, if they had some wide receivers that get a little bit more separation, they didn't have to use so much. You know, use so much scheming and running them underneath and stuff to get them open. This thing would have made, you know, because they, they really, they really dominated the game plan. They dominated the line of scrimmage at times. And overall, they look like the better team. Now, you know, late, you know, once L, L, it took LSU, you know, almost three quarters to kind of figure out what they were going to do. And, you know, when it got to, Playing some tempo, playing some hurry up, um, you know, that that definitely worked out in their favor. But what I liked about Florida State was that I've not been a – I'm a fan. I think, I'm like you. I think Mike Norvell is a good coach. I've never really been a fan of his offense, which I thought wasted far too many series and was just, you know, they did so much big play hunt. You know, they would just hunt for these big plays, these big explosive plays. They would just, you know, in the meantime, they might go three and out or get one first down over, you know, four, three or four offensive series. They just wasted a lot of plays. But I saw, you know, they were getting themselves in third and third and shorts. They were really taking advantage of second downs. They were moving the chains. They were taking up clock. You know, they were playing the way you need to play to win on. It wasn't a road game technically, but, you know, a road atmosphere. And I thought that was a really good game plan. I thought on both sides, they kind of stuck to the game plan well. They didn't panic at any point. Um, they 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 used what was going to be to their advantage, which is that they've, been at this, they've all been together for three years now. They know what their players are. They know what they can do. They know what they can't do. We knew that LSU was going to be learning some things as the game went on, which they did. They had to learn a lot. They had, some, they had a couple key injuries that happened. They had an injection. So they had to learn a lot. You know, they and on top of that, FSU, the special teams thing, you know, the special teams that has been haunting them for a while finally worked out in their favor. They blocked a field goal. They blocked the extra point. Uh, they get two fumble recoveries on muff punts. Like they got a lot of things. Some a lot of those things, you know, they earned. A couple were breaks, but you get breaks. I, I've always been to believe that if you're working hard, you're going to get some of those breaks. And, and you know, that's what happened. Um, yep. Shaheen Brown, who's a kid that, you know, he's one of those kids that, 
you know, probably not going to do a lot on the field, but as a special teamer, he's going to show some value. He blocks that kick late. They didn't, they, they, they don't want to really account for him. And that's your game winner. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen a game where a team won by one point and dominated the game from beginning to end. Pretty much. I mean, they pretty much dominated a team. If you look at, if you didn't know the score and just had watched the game, you would have thought FSU won by three touchdowns, just the way they dominated up front uh, on the offensive and defensive line. And Hey, listen, I'll say it right here. I, I was wrong on first in that. I thought he had the potential to do what he did the other night later in the year. Now, also, he, he when when a team's in passing situations and they have to pass and you got a freshman tackle out there and he is a grown man, the guy took advantage of that and you got to give him credit. He played at a higher level than I thought he'd play at. It took, I figured you see this Jared Verse in week six, week seven, week eight, and then hopefully you keep him for another year. If he keeps playing at this level – yeah, you know, I mean, he's, 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 he's a one-and-done type he's player, a yeah. um, which is a good thing and a bad thing. But one thing they've done is they've shown that they could develop defensive ends. If Jermaine goes first round and this kid goes first round, now you have two guys back-to-back that weren't even part of your program the year before. And you could say, hey, listen, this is what we did, and it will help in recruiting. But, listen, I, I, I give all the credit in the world. They did a great job. I think they play to Travis's strengths. They And that's, you know – People sit there. We, we sit there. It's not that we don't like Travis. We're not. I'm. I don't think he's the greatest quarterback in the world. But they Norvell's done a very good job of limiting the ability of him to make the mistake. They keep him out of bad situations. You saw it in this game. If they had a second and long, they didn't go for all twenty yards on second and eighteen and try to get it all back. They they were like, all right, let's just get half of it back and put us uh, ourselves in a manageable third down. And their third down, I don't they they converted at a third down rate that they're never gonna they probably won't convert like that all year again. I mean, I think they were it was like seven of eight, sixteen or something like that. What? They were like twelve of sixteen or eleven. Yeah, so I mean that's just seventy percent is just huge. Yeah, that's unheard of. Like, I mean, you're winning every game, no matter who you, I don't care if you play Alabama, you're probably gonna be in the game all the way to the end if you're converting twelve of sixteen. Um, you're just because those type of plays you could see. It's demoralizing after a while if you're a defense and the other team just finds a way to always get that first down. And they did a phenomenal job. Listen, I was I thought that FSU had an outside chance, but only if they ran the ball 40 times and they picked up 200 yards. Now they had 38 carries, but they didn't run the ball well, which was surprising that they were able to win. They won on the arm of Travis and the the receivers did very good. I mean, Pokey Wilson. Uh, he needs a shout out. He did a great job. Um, another guy that he, that guy was there through the Jimbo era. He was there, there through the Taggart era. He didn't quit in this day and age where kids just basically walk away from one program, go on the portal, go to another. You got to give Wilson a lot of credit. He stuck it out, and you know what? He'll probably be rewarded as he'll he'll probably lead that team in receiving this year and be one of FSU's biggest threats on offense. It was a you know. I did see, you know, Wilson, uh, Brendan Gant made two major plays on special teams. I know he recovered the second muff. I think he might have recovered the first one. And I was a kid that they were trying to let, you know, he's a safety. They moved him to linebacker where he's undersized. And it was clear that they, I think they were trying to get him to quit. And he decided, you know, you and I, you and I know he had opportunities. Like Gant had opportunities where other schools, power five schools, were interested in playing safety. Yeah. He wanted to stay at FSU. We made it clear. I actually know the Gant family a little bit. Um, and they made it clear that he wanted to, you know, that this is where he wanted to be. That was where he wanted to play. You know, he wanted to be a Seminole. He was going to make it work. You know, he's going to, you know, basically we're going to have to run him out. He wasn't going to leave voluntarily. And, you know, he makes a big play on special teams. So, you know, it's always good to see those types of kids get rewarded because, you know, when you can when you can survive through some coaching transitions and maybe, you know, you're not, you know, you're you're not you're not in the in a new coach's plan, but you know, you figured out a way to make an impact. Now he's gonna be in the coach, now he's gonna be in the plans this week. They at least know that they have a reliable guy on special teams. 
Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, listen, that's what you want. You know, not everybody has to be a star or a starter, but if you're a contributor and I mean, listen, you go all the way back to Kermit Whitfield. He's always going to be remembered for that one play he made in the national championship game where he scored. You're not going to remember another play he made. I don't, I don't even know if he had a reception while he was at FSU, but you know, Shaheen uh, Brown is going to be remembered uh, for that block. You know, like he doesn't have to ever – he's earned his scholarship just from that yeah. one play. He doesn't have to make another play at FSU. He'll always be remembered for that play, and good for him. And um, that's why, you know, it's not everybody's a starter. Some guys are going to make an impact on special teams, and he did. And, you know, like you said, Grant is uh, – Kenny. I mean, Gant was another kid that could have easily left this offseason because he was – playing out of position and he he's he like he loves that at FSU and and it paid off he's it he now has something that he could look back on no matter what and said hey listen we had an impact in this game yeah absolutely uh moving on to the swamp it was Billy Napier's debut uh and bringing in the top 10 a legitimate top 10 team in Utah defending Pac-12 champions we knew it was going to be tough. I thought Utah was going to win. I thought they were going to wear them down. Um, they had plenty of opportunities. They didn't win. Uh, but tremendous back-and-forth game. Anthony Richardson, three rushing touchdowns. He pretty much you know, did everything that they needed him to do in order to win. Uh, they looked tough. Uh, they, you know, they're an imp- Florida's an imperfect team. Uh, I think they're a little now that the polls have come out. I think they're, you know, probably a little too highly ranked. But the one thing they did, you could see right away, is that they were not going to beat themselves with a bunch of silliness, and that Billy Napier had gotten those guys to buy into what he wanted them to be physically. Uh, they were going to be physically challenging on both sides of the ball. They were going to. They were going to fight. They were going to fight for the yards, and they did. And it was a, it was a great. It was just a great. It was a tremendous game. It really was. It's just not enough I can say about that football game and the effort that was put out by both teams. I think we were on the right side of this one. Utah pretty much controlled that game. Uh, you, you at halftime, you're sitting there and you're watching it, and Utah was down at halftime in a game that they controlled the first half, and then the second half. I mean, you go look, even on the final drive, they were basically able to march down the field. They had worn Florida down. We told, we, we, we thought that that was a real possibility with the lack of depth at Florida. You could tell that they were starting to get worn out in that, that final drive. They looked dead, Florida. And they, they went down the field and had a shot. And all they had to do was, uh, you know, play for a field goal uh, at worst case. Just not scenario. turn the ball over. Yeah, just <laughs> don't turn the ball over. And they, they, they forced the ball in the middle of the field. Um, just a bad decision, especially as easy as they were moving the ball. They did not have to do that. You, As a coach, you got to sit there and say, if that's not there, we got overtime. Don't worry. And I, I think that their offense was tailor-made to do well in overtime on a short field because they were, they, they were picking up chunk yards the whole time. Um, and I think they would have finally got them. But I give Napier a lot of credit, uh, you know, what they did was they did a lot of a lot of things to disguise their their weaknesses. He he yeah. he played to their strengths, um, and, and I don't. That's the one thing I don't know if that's sustainable through a whole season. Can you pull that off twelve weeks in a row? When you one, they didn't really have a good running game. I don't believe. I don't think they ran the ball super well outside of the quarterback. I, are they going to be at a continue to pull this off week after week with this Houdini offense. I, I it's gonna be curious. I, I think they need they need Richardson to play at a near Heisman level to get to like nine wins, to get to eight or nine wins. Like he's gonna have to be what he was this past week every week. It's uh, a lot to it's a lot to ask. It's a lot to ask, especially when you look at the schedule and you realize that they've got some uh some games coming up, you know, down the road that are going to be a lot of, you know, the they're going to, you know, the, the treading is going to be tough. But here's the thing: that team, this Florida team, gave up so many times last year that this is a game that they don't win last year, even if it's close. Like 
I've watched. I watched him last year against Missouri. I watched him against South Carolina. I watched him just give up. No, they, t- and, they listen. And just getting that team to decided they were going to fight. They were actually going to be there at the end. That is a huge accomplishment in itself. But Corey, you know the one thing as well as I do. Depth. You could you could probably get through some conferences with lack of depth. But we that game was very physical. Trust me, Florida may have won, but they they took a beating in that game up front. Physically, they took a beat like they were in a war against Utah. Like that game was a body blow. If if you took the boxing and uh, analogy, they basically took body blows the whole night and just got lucky they didn't get knocked out in that because they it was Utah systematically broke them down on drives yeah. and and honestly it was a very Utah played SEC style football the other night and you got to wonder can you get up emotionally coming back and I know you know Kentucky's a very good team it's hard to get your team up two weeks in a row uh now I think for, they'll be okay emotionally but I think the effect of the Utah game is going to show up Sometime around the end of the second quarter of the Kentucky, like I just don't think because Kentucky didn't run well this past week, and I think they may have overused Will Levis, but I don't think they're not going to run well this week. I I know Mark Stoops is going to make that team physical, yeah, and I just don't know if Florida can hold up. I just think, I just think you know, you, you look at it. You get a couple of days for recovery, a couple of days for practice, then boom, you got another game. And I just don't know if the the full, you know, the the five days of recovery is going to be enough for them this week. Yeah, it's it's a lot to ask. I mean, like I said, they were in a physical war uh, for four quarters, and you're asking a lot of a team. Like I said, it's very hard. That was an emotional win. They they had to go down to the wire to win that. And, you know, the one difference between Florida State and them is Florida State has a week off to get that that game out of their system. Like, they have to come right back and play a very tough uh, Kentucky team. Uh, and even though it's on the road, it's still a very tough game for them to have to come back and play again. It's It will be interesting to see how they play in this game. Plus, now, they're, the, the target's on their chest. Last week, they played the underdog role, and everybody thought – pretty much everybody picked Utah to win the game outright – and they found a way to win. This week, everybody just expects them to come back and beat Kentucky. And you've seen it so many times. I remember uh, watching FSU that year. They lost, you know, Norvell's first year. They had lost to UC uh, to Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech had to go back the following week and play UCF. And it was like everybody's like, uh, you know, Georgia Tech will just win because no, nah, it's very hard to come back that following week and win. And they got blown out. And I, I'm not saying Florida is going to get blown out, but it wouldn't be surprising to me if Kentucky won by 10 or more points in that game, just because of the type of game Florida was in last week. Yeah, that, that's it. I just, I think, I just feel like at a certain point, you're just gonna, you're just gonna break, because I mean, you're just now. If you added the Utah game, what I think Kentucky's going to try to do, you're taking six straight quarters of guys just leaning on you. Yeah. And, you know, luckily for them, they'll have South Florida before they play Tennessee, so they'll have a break. They ain't got to worry about South Florida getting tough on anybody. You know, real quick, if we wrap this up, going to the polls, uh, Bama still won. Georgia and Ohio State flip-flop. Uh, Ohio State ends up uh, moving down to three. They won 21-10 to 10 over Notre Dame. I uh, thought, you know, if they look good defensively, Notre Dame played tough. They played, they were, they were tough. They just couldn't do anything going offensively. Uh, Georgia, oh, I mean, man, good God. Georgia looked like, Georgia looked like they were, <laughs> like, like people told them they were not going to repeat. Like, they, like, like somebody disrespected them in the wrong way. And they took it all out on Oregon. I mean, they took it all out on Oregon. Dude, that game was not – that was a Mike Tyson knockout. Like, that was <laughs> that was six seconds in, and that game was over. I mean, out, <laughs> Georgia just they, – they did some nasty to freaking <laughs> Oregon. I don't think Oregon's AD is ever scheduling 
Georgia again in the next 10 years. Like if that call comes, <laughs> there'll be a do not disturb silence on that phone of that AD at uh, Oregon. But that was flat out impressive. I mean, I think Georgia is the best team in the country. I, You know what? If you come out and beat a team that bad, and I know it's at home and Oregon's not that good compared to past years, that's the best team in the country until somebody beats them. You know, I, I think you deserve to stay on top until somebody takes you out. Yeah, and, uh, you know, when you look at that one, they, you know, Oregon came in and ranked in the top ten. That clearly wasn't the case. They're out of the rankings, and they should be. I felt for Bo Nix. I mean, Bo Nix got as far away from Oregon as he possibly could, and he still manages to get beat up by Georgia. Like, he'll never be able to escape. He'll have went through four years and never be able to escape that Georgia beat now. Because yeah, every mean, year it was coming for him. He's transferring to like Hawaii next year. Yeah, like you, I, I think he might. I think he might just drop down a few divisions. No one even go to Savannah State. They could use the help. Like just anywhere where he doesn't play Georgia, he'll be fine. <laughs> uh, Michigan moved up to Michigan's at four. They won by a lot. They had like 61. They played Hawaii this week. Hawaii gave up 63 to Vanderbilt. I think Michigan might score 90. Uh, Clemson, we saw Clemson on Monday. They are, they're fine. Great defensive line. It's the best defensive line in college football, period. Yeah, amazing. And really, you know what? Probably the whole defensive unit. Yeah. I mean, they're guys, you want to talk about corners that could tackle. I mean, these guys come up. And like they're like linebackers playing corner. They're a physical team. I, Corey, I mean they. You want to talk about it? Their D line on the first two or three series. I don't think Jeff Sims had more than a second and a half to drop back and pass. I mean, you know, I, somebody was like complaining that he threw a pick on the first play. Like really? I mean, he was getting hit in the chest as he. I threw mean, the guy had three guys climbing up his backside every time he took the ball. Yeah, and like I, I at some point when they got it within fourteen to ten, I think he was a uh, twenty and twenty seven for maybe a buck fifty and a touchdown. And I was like, he's playing a hell of a game because he has zero time to throw the football. Yeah. Like the minute the snap is coming, he see like it's like Tecmo Bowl. You remember when like the blockers get pushed back and they like fly back ten yards and flip over? Oh, That's man. what Clemson's D line was doing to him. So. Clemson five, they got uh like Furman or somebody this oh, week. They're, yeah, they're good. AM is six. Texas AM beat Sam Houston 31 to nothing. Oklahoma seven. They uh who they beat this week? Uh, yeah, they, they beat, beat UTEP. You, you know what yeah, though? Yeah. One thing is they're gonna have a good defense. They just were way more sound on defense than I've seen them in a long time. And it's no surprise. Venerables is one of the best defensive coordinators. Uh our boy Jay Valai, who we're going to get him on. Uh, he's one of the D coordinators at Oklahoma. He needs props as one of the next up-and-coming coaches in college football. Uh, they were very impressive on the defensive side of the ball as well. And usually you wonder, like, with those big lines and stuff, um, and, and Oklahoma having a new coach, more of a defensive-minded coach, how they would do offensively. But I think they went down the field like in 45 seconds on the first drive, and Gabriel – punched it in himself they're gonna have no problem scoring and if they have that defense play like that they're gonna be a tough out in the big 12 this year yeah yeah jeff levy offensive coordinator oklahoma knows what he's doing him and dylan gabriel actually uh, you know they're, they're, they're connected they were uh, uh i think levy was his coach for one year when he was at ucf so there's a connection there already and they know what each other you know levy knows what his quarterback is capable of um Oh, Notre Dame, uh, they're the only top 10 team with a loss in an eight. I guess I thought they played really tough against Ohio State, a game that most people thought Ohio State was going to win by 30 or more. Uh, Baylor, and at nine, USC moves into the top 10 after beating Rice 66 to 14. Uh, uh, it, what's funny well, is one of the guys on ESPN that does picks for a living actually thought Rice could cover. Like that, man. I that think was, they could cover what? They didn't cover that spread because they that thing was that spread. They that didn't thing cover was, anybody on that team. No. Yeah, that much. Nah. Like Lincoln, Lincoln took out some frustration 
on the Owls. Yeah. Oklahoma State was 11. That a hilarious game on a Thursday night. They were up. I think they were up like, I think they were up 48 to something at halftime, but only won 58 to 44 as a, uh, whatever directional school in Michigan they were playing actually came back and uh, came back and scored some. And, Florida and- moves up to 12th. They move in highest debut. Uh, Utah after the loss moves to 13. Michigan State 14. They had kind of a blase game against somebody. I don't even know like. Another, it was another back school that they played. Yeah, they played Western Michigan. Western oh. Michigan. Yeah, I, I get Eastern. What I think Oklahoma State played Central Michigan. Yeah, that was theirs. Uh, okay, Miami. We talked about they punked seventy on Bethune. Arkansas moves up to sixteen. And another one of the really good games of the week against Cincinnati. I came out of that game more impressed with Cincinnati. Although Arkansas I thought played fine. But, I, you know, we weren't expecting a lot of Cincinnati. They lost eight guys in the draft. They lost so much, so many other seniors off that team. But it shows you that Luke Stickle's got guys that he's done a good job at building depth on that roster, keeping those guys around. Those guys are tough. They, they play in the image of their coach. They're not going to be pushed around. And, you know, they, they played Arkansas head up. They did not give them, you know, they were not, they did not back down from them. Yeah, I think that's a very good sign for Cincinnati. I was, I thought with the, everything they lost, that that would be that there there was a potential for that to be a, a double digit loss. I do think Arkansas did cover the line. So for those people that yeah. did take Arkansas, they cover the line. But um, you know, Arkansas, what he's done there, Sam Pittman, they have an identity. You know what they're going to do. They're going to they're they're that very physical team that I don't think a lot of teams want to face this year. They are going to upset somebody along the line this year that they shouldn't beat and, and, and screw up the party at the end of the year. Uh, very good team. I think Pittman's done a phenomenal job and, and they're enjoyable to watch. I mean, that just their style of play. I just think they're an enjoyable team to watch. So, yeah. Uh, you know, definitely a, and for Arkansas gig to one of the players I'm really high on, Jordan Dominic, who was a, a transfer from Georgia Tech. Uh, he's actually out of, out of Lakeland, Florida, went to George Jenkins High School, which is one of the lesser known, you know, one of the schools in Lakeland. What are the odds of that? Yeah. George Jenkins High School. George Jenkins, yeah. SEC defensive line co-player of the week. He had a, he had the hat trick. He had a beautiful move to make a sack. Fumble, force fumble, fumble recovery, and uh, good for him. I think he's a, I think he's an NFL type. I think he's a legitimate NFL prospect that probably needed to get out of Georgia Tech to uh, get into a better situation. He's gotten into one. Um, Pittsburgh seventeen. We talked about them. NC State eighteen. Not a great first week for Dave Doreen, uh, but I think they were. I think that East Carolina team is a lot better than they might people might. Think. Think. And it's also a rivalry. I mean, East Carolina, NC State, they go back, they have, they have a little bit of nasty history. So that might have been a tougher road game than, you know, I think people wanted to credit. If they were looking for NC State to just come out and blow East Carolina away, that wasn't going to happen. You just want to win that game if you're NC State. I mean, they have aspirations of being in the ACC championship this year. Those are the type of games, whether you – another game. You win by three, you win by 30. You just want to get out of there, not injured, and you'll take a win any way you can. They were – it wasn't impressive. Uh, Leary did not have a very good game. I expect him to uh, take it up another notch in the next few weeks and be one of the better quarterbacks in the ACC. NC State's going to be a tough out this year. I just still believe that. I know uh, they, they lost some players from their team last year but I still believe that they're going to be one of the top teams in the ACC. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Uh, Wisconsin comes in at 19, uh, Kentucky at 20, BYU 21, Ole Miss 22. Uh, Jackson Dart is the third former USC start, starting quarterback to start, start somewhere else this week. How did, how did, wait a second, Clay Helton should never get a job again. Wait a second. Part two, he did get a job again. He He's did. at Georgia Southern. Yeah, I mean, like, dude, yeah. he has three starting quarterbacks in in division uh, power five. 
yeah. schools. Like, yeah, Power Five schools. Like, and these were names of, like, everybody wanted, like, JT, like, Daniels or Slovich or uh, – They had three – qu- he had three quarterbacks throw for, like, a 1,000 yards last week. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, I what the frick, man? You should have had a fire. Wake Forest is 23. Big news, Sam Hartman. Uh, we, I, I told, I mean, we want to, we, we both are on part of a message board where I said that I thought he had a thrombosis issue was blood clot. That is what it was. He's been cleared. Uh, he recovered a lot earlier than most other, the other athletes that have had. So I think he's probably about three weeks ahead of what, you know, professional athletes have had with this. So he's, uh, he's been cleared. There'll be, they got Vanderbilt this week, undefeated Vanderbilter, which is a, Interesting little sneaky, interesting game because I think Vanderbilt is sneaky good. I mean, wow, that's they're, sneaky good by Vanderbilt standards. They're two and zero. I mean, like I don't think they've been two and zero since Franklin. Yeah, left. yeah, yeah. I mean, like they're sneaky. They're, they're sneaky competitive. Tennessee, twenty uh, fourth. They played Pitt this week. They rolled over Ball State last week. Uh, Houston, twenty fifth, and another sneaky great game of the week. They went to overtime with UTSA. UTSA, I think, went, what, 13-1 and one last year? Yeah. Or something. Yeah, so, I mean, that was going to be a battle. It was a battle. Uh, Houston, I think, was down either 21-7 or 24-7 before rallying to get that game to overtime. So, good win for them against, a, you know, a team that was definitely looking to – an in-state team that was looking to make a name for them. So, uh, ah, and the first week is in. It seems like it took forever to get here. But it goes by so fast, man. That first week is a blur. Oh, that yeah. first Saturday is a blur. Like, you just – games are just happening. No, it's like – I listen, I I went to watch the FSU game, and I thought it was at 8 o'clock, and uh, I missed pretty much like half the first quarter. You know, I was listening yeah. into – I thought it started at 8. It started at 7.30, and before I knew it, it was like halftime when I started to really get into it. So – it was a great first weekend, and listen, college football, it's a playoff every week. Let's be realistic. Yeah. I know fans think, yeah, we're going to go 12-0. and 0. There's going to be one team, maybe two, that go undefeated. A lot of losses between now and November. A lot of good football, a lot of bad football, but I look forward to it. I do think uh, it's going to be a very interesting year. I think you're going to have at least one new team in that Final Four that is out of the box, not your typical team. So and I would I would love to see, you know, you love to see like a Pittsburgh or a NC State sneak in there. I was, you know, I was excited about Utah. And even I even after the loss, I don't think Utah's eliminated. They gotta they gotta win out obviously and see kind of how Florida does because that could turn out to be a very good loss by the end of the year. Just the fact that they went into it like they went on a cross country trip on week one, and they, you know, was a, they played a good game and they lost a close game. So yeah, if they go eleven and one and win the Pac twelve championship, they'll be in that discussion. I mean, I don't think this knocks them out of the conversation. I, I agree. It is just a there's a there's a there's a lot a lot to be determined. You know, boy, it's it's a, it's a long season, but it's going to be a good season. Um, what anything you looking forward to this upcoming week? Oh man, it's just more of the same. A lot of, a lot of filming, a lot of evaluation, a lot of watching my son play oh, his so ten reps of uh, <laughs> tackle football at D tackle next week. His nose guard position at a, 120 pounds. They had to play offensive tackle first, so they've actually put him in a better spot. Yeah, 120 pound left tackle. I mean, yeah. that doesn't even work in, like, 12 and under. I, I I mean, he he's like, Dad, I don't want to play tackle. I, I'll never tell you what to tell the coach, but you need to tell him I'm not playing there. I'm like, all right. I'm like, Coach, he ain't playing there. <laughs> I love it. Either just drew the line. He's like, no, I'm not playing offensive tackle. <laughs> nah, right? nah, no, nah. that's not happening. Uh, he, he definitely did that. He goes, listen, I don't mind hitting somebody, but I sure as hell ain't going to get a hit on every play. <laughs> I got to cover UCF and Louisville on Friday night. Uh, Louisville, a 31-7 loss on the road to Syracuse. Uh, UCF won, I think, 56-10 over South Carolina State. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of – I mean, 
I'm excited to see. It'll be a fun atmosphere as it always is at the bounce house. I, you know, I, I said, I think we talked about it before the season started. I said there was a good chance Louisville could, you know, when I found out that Syracuse game was on the road to over, I'm like, you know, 0-2 is a possibility. And I think they could walk into that FSU game as a very wounded duck that's going to need to make a statement. So yeah. we'll see how they do this week. Uh, you know, these two teams have played a lot of exciting games. They used to be in the uh, Big East slash American Conference together. So they've had a – they have a nice little history of uh, playing football against each other. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to get down to Orlando, get down to the old bounce house this Friday and watch a pretty good college football game. Uh, I'm going to have to come back up there. I haven't seen a UCF game in a while. I got to come back up there, but uh, I listen, uh, it was another, I enjoyed, you know, getting back on the podcast with you tonight, Corey, and uh, let's see what happens this week. And I think there'll be at least one or two upsets. So, uh, it's yeah, going to be a lot I, to talk about. On I feel there's going to be a lot to talk about. I agree with you. Um, as always, our producer is Justin Otto sitting out there in the Midwest, hopefully not watching Iowa football. <laughs> not, I don't think Justin can handle the Iowa football game. I don't uh, think he's ready for that. It, it would actually put him to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Iowa might not, put a lot of people. He'd be nodding off in the middle of that one. <laughs> Iowa might put a lot. He'd be like me when I'm riding in a car with you. We're going, we're going driving across the state. I mean, he's seen more goals in uh, uh, a Blackhawk game than they scored <laughs> points in the football game. Oh my God. Oh, my God. There's only two ways to score seven <laughs> in football. In American football. Canadian, Canadian football is some weird stuff. But in American football, only two ways to score seven points. And they took the hardest possible route. Uh, I'm not. If you told me one team could do it, it'd be Iowa. I've watched. <laughs> I've watched Iowa play. Listen I, I, listen, I know like winning's great, but I couldn't be an Iowa fan. I'm sorry. Like watching that every week. <laughs> like, no. dude, that's awful. Uh. Oh my god! I know so many Iowa fans too. One of my one of the one of the, one of the young one of the ladies I know around town, her dad was until he retired this past year. He was like either OC or quarterback. Ken O'Keefe. He was OC or quarterback coach at Iowa. So I'm happy that she did not have to have her name attached her name attached to this game. Megan O'Keefe, I am very happy you do not have your name Corey, attached to this game. Corey, I'd rather have my team honestly go like. 0-11 and, and score 50 points a game than to go 8-4 and four and watch a team score seven <laughs> points each week. Like, at least, at least, I mean, how exciting could 7-3 be and you didn't even score a touchdown? You had two safeties and a field goal. Like, I mean, honestly, like, I, really I mean, he's making like $7 million a year to score seven points in a game. People don't realize, like, how good Kurt Ferentz has it. Like, all he has to do is get is get to Florida in late December, early January to make everything. He's got to get to either the the whatever the Champ Sports Bowl is called these days or the Citrus Bowl or the Outback Bowl. And, like, everybody loves him. Like, as long as he gets to Florida. <laughs> he has the best job in college football. He has it so good. He can just have – I mean, as long as they can get to one of those Florida sites, they can be as miserable Dude, and as awful as they want to be. If you're that boring in football, your fans, honestly, are okay with losing because there's still, like <laughs> – like, 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 you know, like, you're not going to win every game seven to six. So, if you're a fan of that team, you're like, all right, they lost this week. We'll get them next week, Coach. We'll be on the other side of that seven and six game next week. They 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 remind me of like watching the Buffalo Sabres in like 2000. Like they could just drag an ugly game out of anybody. Oh my god! <laughs> it's just like you can take the you can take the most exciting high score game. They'll just drag the ugliest possible game out of. Them. Like I said, they're the Big Ten Network. They show an IO game. They have to put it in black and white. They just <laughs> they do not deserve color. 
here's the worst part. The weather was nice. Like, the weather's still nice out there. Like, what are they going to do come late October when it's like that sludge? When Find it's rainy sludge, sludgy. Find a way to score six with three safeties. This team will lead the league in safeties by far this year. Yeah, all like, they have to do is like, punt. Listen, they're going to just punt the ball to the one and tell their defense to win the games. You know, it's like, like – I don't know. I don't know the last time a college football team has had more than 10 safeties in a season. I bet you Iowa's going to be challenging that record. Yeah, that's why stats don't matter. I mean, like, honestly, their defense is going to give the least amount of points. That's because their <laughs> offense can't score. Exactly. All right. Well, yeah, we're getting back to it. Our, our, uh, yes, Justin Otto, still our producer. Uh, we're part of the uh, FNF Coaches Talk Network. At the Fish Podcast uh, is our on Twitter, and yeah, at, uh, you can. Thanks for listening to us on all of the platforms that we, the Fish Cast, is available on, which is about forty. Although all of you listen to Apple Podcasts, so thank you, Apple Podcasts, for being in existence. Because without you, who knows how anybody else will listen? Is to that podcasts. guy in Beirut still downloading our stuff? Yeah. I think <laughs> I love so, it. Somebody, somebody probably stuck in like a, a silo there as part of like the U.S. Yeah. Air Force who, listens, who just listens to every single podcast he can every day. Yeah. It's like Wait. 24 hours a day of this podcast. Oh, man. Awesome. So. All right, Fish. I will see you. I'll talk to you soon, but we'll, we'll be back here congregating in the Fish Cast well, another week. I'll be we transferring this to you right now. <laughs> Take care, buddy. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.